0: All right, and good morning, Ridgepoint Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, we are glad you're here. It's an exciting morning. We have a couple of kind of newer things we're doing this morning to kind of wrap up the series. One I talked about last week, Um, my wife is gonna be joining me up on stage in just a little bit. I'm really excited about that. Uh, But yeah, we'll we'll get a chance to respond in a second about that one. But the second one, I'm gonna hold off till the end of the service. And and we're just gonna, as we wrap up the series, we're gonna wrap the series up in a very unique way. We have been talking for the last several Weeks, last four weeks about this idea of welcome to worse and what happens in our marriages and maybe in our future marriages when we get to that point where we've made the vow that says for better for worse and and at some point in every marriage worse happens. So welcome to worse. What happens when worse happens? How do we push through that and, and how do we have some different tools in our toolbox to, to know that, okay, when these things come, because I know they're going to come, even to the healthiest, to the best of relationships, I know that they're going to come. So how do I make sure I have the right tools in the toolbox to be able to kind of push through? And, and this is a series that was actually done at Ridge Point Church about 10 years ago, and, and I wasn't even here yet. And we kind of talked through that the first week, and it was just a really, really powerful uh, sermon series for me when I was young in marriage And so he said, we want to kind of retool that for 2018, bring it back uh, at this time, and be able to talk through some of those topics. Uh, So I'm really excited about that, how we're going to kind of wrap it up. But a couple of things I kind of want to do by means of review, in case you haven't been here, kind of let you know some of the foundational stuff we've talked about the last several weeks. Uh, We talked about what are some things that can lead to crises in our relationship, and we said there are really three things. Number one is unrealistic expectations. When I think that my spouse is always going to bring happiness and, and, and that they're going to fulfill my joy, if, if I'm doing that, it's unrealistic. If the wife thinks her husband is always going to be the knight in shining armor, listen, sometimes they get it right and they look that way. But I promise they're not always going to be that way. Reality going to set in. And, and so having unrealistic expectations probably is the biggest challenge to relationships, I think for a lot of us, we go in and we have this idea, this is what relationship is going to look like when I get older and when I get married, and it's going to be this fairy tale, and then it's not. And it's not so much that our marriage was, was the problem, it's that these expectations that were up here, this is what it was going to look like, and it didn't end up being like that. So the number one challenge was unrealistic expectations. Number two challenge was an unwillingness to grow. We're going to talk about this a lot today, but, but when we put time and energy and effort into our relationship, into making ourselves better, it allows our relationship to flourish. And so I want to make sure that we say, just because I think at 21 or 22 years old or 25 years old, I've arrived and I'm an adult now and I can figure this out, there has to be some intentionality about me growing as an individual, and there has to be a willingness in my life to grow. And the third thing we said last week was this unawareness of roles within the marriage. I go and I get married, and, and I'm not exactly sure what role I'm supposed to fill. And God and says we want this. In fact, one of our core statements here at Ridgepoint Church is that following Jesus makes our life better, but it also makes us better at life. And I never want us to forget that second portion of it because I know that the moment I make a decision to follow Jesus, like instantly like that, he makes my life better. But in my perpetual pursuit of him, There's also this idea that as I grow in the knowledge of who he is, that he's also making me a better husband, a better father, just a a better human being. So there's both following Jesus makes my life better instantly, but also as we're growing in the knowledge of who he is, he makes us better at life. And so that's really what this series is about is saying, man, I want to do that. I want to make sure that I'm continuing to grow in the relationship, that I know what my role is, and that I'm fulfilling that role. Over in Philippians chapter 4 Verses 10 through 13. I want to do this kind of lay the foundation, then we'll get to the good stuff. But it says this. I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I want us to get that, because this is really the good stuff. That whatever situation that I'm in, that I'm gonna be content in that situation, that I'm not just gonna be longing for more, that I'm not gonna sit there and say, well, my contentment is based upon my spouse doing this, or my contentment is gonna be based upon my future spouse doing this, because then my happiness, my contentment is based upon things that they do, and then if, if they don't live up, or if maybe I don't live up, then my contentment is lost. So Paul's writing saying, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He said, Man, there are times things are gonna go really, really well, and there are times things are gonna be a a big time struggle. And that in either situation, I've learned to be content, that I've had both of those situations. And he says, I can do all things through him who, who strengthens me or he who provides strengths. And so we've been in the middle of the series talking about what happens when worse happens. The first week I was kind of sharing some of the ideas of this and and someone had actually shared with me a, a short video. We're not gonna play the whole thing, we don't have time for that this morning. But they said, you know, there's this this old uh, cartoon that actually portrays a lot of what it is that we're talking about so we kind of cut that down in about 45 seconds but here's like an old school mickey mouse with two different relationships and see which one you fit in here it would be great if gumdrops alone were enough to get us through i wish I had time to play that whole video we don't but but whether you're mickey and minnie or donald and daisy this morning we want you to leave here encouraged and challenged and so with that i want to invite my minnie up to the stage everybody give it up for beth Gallowitz. All right, so what, what we want this to look like, and we've, we've talked about this a lot, but what we want this to really be is not so much an interview. It might at times throughout the morning feel like an interview. That's not what we really want it to be. We want it to be kind of a guided discussion. But one of the things that we've really, and we've talked this through and, and prayed this through, one of the things we want it to be is really a, a removing of the veil to, to realize that just because we're the pastor's couple, and, and it does mean that everything is always perfect, does it?
1: No, you can just ask our kids. We are definitely not perfect.
0: Okay. Um, but but talk for a second, because we've talked about doing something like this for uh, for a while, and, and Beth's always kind of been hesitant. Her, her comfortability is not being up in front of people in this setting.
1: Definitely. Singing is different. I can sing. I'm worshiping God, but talking and speaking to a large crowd definitely intimidates me a little bit, um, and we've talked about doing this for years and years, and I've just kind of said no, 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 mm-hmm. um, but... I think that this is something that's really important, especially at this time. I think we know a lot of people who are struggling with marriage. So if anything that I can say helps just a little bit, then it's worth me getting over myself.
0: Sure. And, and that's, a, that's a big deal for us as we begin having this conversation about, hey, would you be willing to do this? Uh, we're actually in the middle of, a, at that point, we're in the middle of a marriage series in our small group on Monday nights. We're watching Francis and Lisa Chan kind of talking back and forth in their garage. If you watch that study, it's a really good study.
1: I'm more thankful that we're meeting here than in our garage because I don't want anybody to see our garage. (laughs) And
0: and that's kind of why they did it. Their garage was a mess. They said, we want to be open and honest that we have struggles, that we have failings. and, and, And that's part of what makes this authentic so real. Uh, so we talked about kind of the, the why of, of why we want to do this and, and why at that point the best. Like I've never been comfortable doing this before, but but today, yeah, because we know people in our past that have struggled who just needed the advice and the counsel to have just let, let's talk some of these things through. I can't emphasize enough throughout this whole series the value of having the right people uh, around you, kind of surrounding you and having those conversations that if we have the right people that it challenge us and equip us, that we're better prepared for that, that we need couples in our life that we can talk to. And, and hey, we're kind of struggling through this. And, and so that's what we wanted today to look like. Uh, and I want to begin with this as we kind of lay the foundation for where we're going. Uh, for me, legacies are a really big deal. I think that for both of us, uh, you know, our parents come from a different generation, but I think especially for you, the legacy that beginning with your grandparents that, that you kind of saw played a huge factor in, in eventually what our marriage became. So talk about the legacy that you guys have.
1: Sure. Um, both sets of my grandparents were married for umpteen years. My, my dad's mom actually died when he was 15 and my grandfather remarried. So she's the only grandmother that I ever knew on my dad's side. And they were married for over 30 years until my grandfather passed away and my grandmother's still living. And then my other grandparents, my maternal grandparents, they were married for 62 years, which is just not something that you see in today's world. Um, 62 years that weren't perfect. They drove each other batty, but, um, but I could see how much they loved each other. And then my own parents last week just celebrated 45 years. So just I've seen in my life how marriage can work even through long years. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that's one of the things that, you know, there was, a, they were coming from a different generation. I think in previous generations, uh, they realized that just because something is broken doesn't mean you throw it away that you try to figure out how can we fix that which is broken. We live in a disposable society today. We've talked about this the last several weeks. But today, a lot of times what happens is if something's broken, it's easier to throw away. If, if, if my VCR breaks, it's not worth paying to get it fixed. I'm going to throw it away and get a new one. Well, unfortunately, the same approach is often taken to, to marriage. And, and our parents' generation wasn't necessarily, necessarily like that. Now, my parents, coming from that generation, my parents were married for 42 years when my, when my mom passed away. Uh, and, and so we see this longevity. But I think for you especially, it wasn't just a generational thing. It was that your parents, especially your grandparents, were trying to to pray through relationship. And and, and like you said, you know, especially your grandfather was a character. He was as outgoing as could be. Uh, and- he,
1: he would stop and talk to anybody. So even when he was in his 80s, he still worked at Winn-Dixie bagging groceries just because he wanted to get out of the house and talk to people. Like that was just him. He did not know a stranger. He did not know. I mean, he just... Yeah, he was he was a little he was a little crazy.
0: Yeah, he he was he was crazy, loving in like in a great way. Yeah, and, and, but just a very loving person, and, and he kind of had his nickname, for your grandmother. What was that?
1: His nickname for her was Butch. They were Butch and Hack. Their names were actually Charles and Anna, or Charlie and Anna, but he called her Butch. And they loved each other, but he would drive her crazy. He would tell the same jokes all the time, to where she would be like, "Okay, like putting up her hand, like I've heard this like 20 million times." She how like, many times. That,
0: that was like the fourth time he told that story today.
1: Yeah. Like, she um, would drive him crazy. He would wear crazy socks, and he would pull them up to show everybody. Like he would, he would drive her nuts.
0: Yeah. And yeah, and he used to do some crazy things. So along the way, I wish everybody got a chance to meet him. He was just a character. But, but along the way, your grandmother wasn't original with her. But I think what really set the formation for a lot of your parents and, and, and us was a statement that wasn't original with her, but she would say this all the time. What was that statement?
1: So it's probably something I shouldn't say, but this is what she would always say, and unfortunately I've continued it. She would say, divorce, no, murder, Yes. <laughs> so she wasn't condoning murder, it's but, not, uh, so, but that, yeah. yeah, it's not saying that
0: murder is actually an option. But she's saying no, for her, for her, that that divorce was on the same level. Like we want to make sure that we battle through this. And one of the things we want to be careful is we know that people that are in here have been through divorce and are products of divorce. We don't want to you know, put anyone down or anything, but to say man, as we try to put tools together for, for the marriages we've, that we're in now, or maybe marriages that you have a chance to interact with, that, that to give you the tools, because, because legacy is a big deal. Uh, I, I was doing some studying this week as we talked through this question, and, and to see that a child who's a child, a product of divorce, is one and a half times more likely to end up in a, in a relationship that ends in divorce itself. And so we see that kind of the longer that happens in society, the, the greater chance there is for divorce to flourish. We've heard numbers for years that over half of marriages that begin and end in a divorce, that number is actually not true. It's slightly less than that. It's somewhere near 40%. And the numbers are actually better in church. But once there's an initial divorce, the chance of a second divorce and third divorce uh, happening within that family grow exponentially. Now, with that being said, it doesn't mean that if you're in that cycle right now that it has to be uh, kind of continuing. I saw a number of studies that said that even parents who go through divorce can can learn skill sets to make sure that that the children don't you know, kind of begrudge the other parent. And sometimes we see that happen way too frequently. So to say, how can we right now, whatever situation we're in, whether are pre-marriage, we're in marriage, we're post-marriage, we're single, whatever that looks like, how can we be developing tools in our lives or the lives of our children right now to make sure that we're giving them? And I want us to differentiate between these two things. I don't just want to give tools to help marriages survive. There's times in the midst of specific challenges that marriages have to get through a particular season. But we're not in this just to survive. We're in this to find out how do marriages succeed, how are, how are they built to last, and enjoyable. Because the number is just as high for parents who are always fighting and, and always bickering and the kids see it. The number of, of those children who end up in similar relationships is just as high. So it isn't just saying, hey, we want to make sure, you know, the whole idea of divorce, no murder, yes, is that we're going to stick this thing out even if our marriage is miserable. That's not the goal. The goal is to say, man, we want to make sure that we have the tools to make our marriage something that's enjoyable, something that's that our kids are seeing and that they say, man, when I grow up, I want to model that because every study shows that the children who are growing up are saying, I want my marriage to look pretty much like what my parents' marriage looks like, and so to make sure we have the tools to make it not just a I'm going to survive, but I want it to be able to succeed. So. You come from a family who your your dad was a pastor and and your grandmother. I remember your grandmother, man. She was just a, the, the true prayer warrior. She woke up every morning.
1: I, I can remember spending nights at her house, even when after we were married. And she just she had a prayer list and she kept it in her Bible and she would pray. 5, 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, out loud. My cousin and I were actually just talking about this last week about how we hope that this is something that we could institute into our lives. But she would go through every single missionary she'd ever met, every grandchild, every great-grandchild, and she would just pray out loud for everybody. So it was just a legacy that I grew up with that this is what I hope to pass on to my children.
0: Absolutely. And if you are on that list, you weren't getting off. No. Like. Maybe when you died, she crossed you out, but that was it. Like, if, if you are on that list, missionaries you met 40 years ago Absolutely. were still on that, that list. list.
1: I mean, it was like multiple pages.
0: Yeah. So uh, so you had this legacy. You had grandparents and parents praying for you. And, and that meant when you got in high school that you're going to go and just date and have the great relationships, right?
1: I wish that was how it worked. Um, I didn't date a lot in high school. I liked a few guys, but, you know, dating wasn't something that I was super into until I was probably a junior in high school. And then I dated a guy that my parents didn't like. Call me my rebellious. I mean, I wasn't like crazy partying, drinking or anything like that. Crazy
0: Beth, I'm telling you. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. His hair was too long. You know, I mean, seriously, that was one of the things my parents didn't like. Um, But I knew that I shouldn't have been dating him. He wasn't, he wasn't the guy for me. He wasn't um, great. He was very he was very possessive, um, almost, I don't want to say abusive, but he was very possessive of my time and wanted to know who I was talking to when I wasn't with him and where I was and that kind of stuff. And, and my parents had some great boundaries set in place. Like, even as a senior in high school, I couldn't ride alone with him. One of my brothers had to ride with me, and they hated that. But I was thankful for it at that point because it kind of gave me a, another level of protection.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and, and you talk about it because it, it wasn't at that point, and we've talked about this a lot in the past, but it was a possessive relationship bordering on becoming a, abusive and and I know a lot of people fall into I think especially young young women fall into once they start dating a guy who maybe is more possessive or abusive that they think that that's just all they're ever going to kind of get and they get in this cycle so
1: but I knew that wasn't what I wanted, and I knew that wasn't who I was supposed to be with. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's important for us to value, to say, man, when, when we go into relationships we want to pray for, if you're in that pre-marriage phase right now or or maybe you've been married and you're in that post-marriage and think about marriage again, to, to make sure that, man, you're praying through who's, who's the right person. And, 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 and I want to make sure that I'm not just settling for second best because it's really easy. In our world to, to do that and so especially to the teenagers who are here to say wait fight it out and, and don't just settle for the first person that comes along or the person that you think is man just because I have looks and, and, and feelings doesn't mean that that is who I'm supposed to be with long term uh, so kind of adding in my story into this picture was uh, similar to Beth I wasn't necessarily now at this point in my life I'm not following Christ I'm just kind of uh, JJ, I, I lived a, a pretty safe life, I'd say, when I was when I was younger. I didn't get into a lot of trouble. Wasn't dating a whole lot, but I dated a couple of girls in high school as, as Beth dated a couple of guys in high school. Um, and and really throughout that whole time, for me it wasn't focusing on the end game. I think where Beth started to have some reality check was that she was. She knew I wanna pray for the right person and there's some sort of end game in mind. For me I was just I was enjoying I played a bunch of sports. And for me, high school is mostly about sports and, and uh, going to school, and, and it wasn't really until just out of high school that I got a chance to meet this young lady, and all of a sudden, things started to change. I realized that, that this was different. I didn't know exactly why. Uh, at that point, I had just started going back to church and had given my life to Christ, and, and I didn't know exactly why, but I knew that, that this was, this was going to be different, and I knew there was at least the potential for it to be long-term. The problem was that I was relatively, at that point, uh, new to church entirely, I'd gone a little bit with my parents when I was younger, and, and, and so even though I thought that at, at that point we were both attracted to each other, we both felt good when we were around each other, I thought, man, this relationship has the makings of having some potential. Uh, inside, you're dealing with some, some turmoil about there are some things that you wanted to see uh, developing inside of me that if, if it didn't, you're saying that that's, that's a non-negotiable, that's, that's not going to be something that they could be involved in.
1: Right, and, and I don't think JJ realized that we were going to be together quite as soon as I did. Um, we we went out on a couple dates. Truthfully, our roommates talked us into going out on a, on a date. Guys, and,
0: how many of y'all can identify? Like, she's <laughs> just <saying. laughs> They're fast-forwarding a little bit, and we're like,
1: I'm not sure I'm quite that far along yet. Exactly. Um, but even the way that we started dating was our roommates completely embarrassed us. The first thing I ever heard JJ say out loud, period, was "Super Califragilistic." supercalifragilisticexpialidocious but he said it backwards because that's a talent that he has in case you didn't know this about your pastor he can say anything backwards give that's him a true. word and that's boom true. he can automatically say it backwards
0: so i had her at you, you remember the old jerry Maguire movie but i had you had me at hello i had her at suicide la episode because legar Val-Grepus. So he says. I thought it was completely dorky. <laughs> she says that now, but she knew back then. <laughs> no.
1: Um, but my roommates thought this was really cool, and they thought we would be a good fit. So they kind of set us up on a date. So we went out, and I think we met each other like three times, but we went out on our first date to Hungry Howie's to watch Monday Night Football. So Amen. this was, woo very exciting <laughs> and romantic. Um, but then we ended up actually walking around at the Safety Harbor Pier afterwards, and we actually ended up started talking, and our roommates had left us alone because during dinner, they kept staring at us, and every time we started to talk to each other, they would completely stop.
0: Let, like, and, let me set the theme for this because this yeah. is important. We have these four, she had two roommates and their boyfriends, and they're sitting directly across from us. On so, one side of the on, booth. On one side of the booth, and we're on the other side, just the two of us. And so literally every time we tried to like, lean in to talk to each other, to have our first like, official conversation, they would all stop conversation and just stare at us. I'm like this is the most awkward. awkward. Like I want to talk, but your it, guys are it making was, it really uncomfortable. It was pretty bad.
1: It was pretty bad as far as first dates go. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so then we ended up at the pier. After that, walking around, and we got a chance to talk. And this was right before Thanksgiving break of my freshman year of college. And I went home and I told my mom I met the guy I'm going to marry. And my mom's like, Whoa, whoa, whoa! Slow <laughs> your roll. Like you just went out on one date with this guy. I'm like, I know, but this is different, mom.
0: And and I, and I wasn't there yet uh, in terms of it was, it was one date I really liked her, but you know, for me the the long term goal was was nowhere near that just yet,
1: guys are a little bit slower, yeah
0: <laughs> or, or girls are a lot faster <laughs> um, but 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 talk for a second because we 're getting it is, is that like I had to develop some things in my life, right, and you 're actually talking to because we 're going to at that point going to uh, i wasn 't yet I eventually transferred to a Christian college, but you 're at this Christian college, and you have some friends that are really accountability that are praying for you, so talk about that real quick.
1: So I knew that I loved JJ, and I knew that he was the guy I wanted to be with, but I knew that he wasn't, not only was he not there yet, but he just, he wasn't the leader that I was looking for, and I didn't expect him to come and preach at me and be a preacher. Like, at that point, I didn't want to marry a pastor. Um, God had to do some major work on us for that. But I knew that I wanted somebody who was going to pray with me, who was going to take charge of the situation, and who was going to lead me in the direction that he felt God should go, so I did. I went back to my roommates, and and we prayed every night, and I would just pray that God would help JJ be the leader that he needed to be, that he would put aside, um, you know, the worldly things, and they would focus on godly things, and eventually,
0: yeah. eventually it happened. And I didn't actually hear that story for a couple of years. Like, I didn't know that she was going back to her roommates and saying, hey, Pray for JJ to step up and be the leader. And, and I know that over the course of the last few years, here even here at Ridgepoint Church, I've had a, a number of guys come up to me and say, hey, I know that I'm supposed to be providing leadership in the home, especially when it comes to spiritual things. But I think especially for, for men, that can be really intimidating and challenging, especially if you grew up without really that, that frame of mind of knowing what that looked like. I've had men come up and, and, and just say, like, man, I, I want to be the leader, but I don't, even, I don't even know what that looks like in our relationship. And at that point, that's how I felt. Like, I knew she came from this pastor's family. I knew that she knew a whole lot more of the Bible than I did. And, and so if you look at that point in our relationship, there's no doubt that she was a stronger one and that she was a leader. And even as we went through, and what I talked about last week is just because God calls you to different roles doesn't mean that one is more qualified than the other or, or that one is better than the other. Uh, there are still a lot of things. When I said leaders don't make decisions on their own, they own decisions once they're made. There are a lot of things that when we have discussion, I'm like, listen, Beth, you're a lot wiser about this than I am. Even though I have to own the decision when it's done, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to you and I'm going to trust uh, your input on this, that you probably know this better than I do. You've prayed this through better than I have. Uh, and so really, it's that, that give and take that we started to learn. And, and through that, God was starting to kind of formulate me because at this point in the conversation, I wasn't even aware of the need that I had in my life let alone did I have the tools to be able to f- fulfill that, that need that Beth had of saying, hey, this is who I want you to be, and this is what I want you to look like. Um, and so then through that, we, we eventually, Beth was praying for that. I think God started to develop that characteristic in my life, and eventually it led to, to more serious dating, get more serious, eventually to engagement, and, and then to marriage. And this past week, celebrating 21 years together. Uh, so, yeah, so that's kind of a...
1: Which is really crazy to me, because now we, we got married when we were 21, and now we've been married for half of our life. Our like I've been married sort. as long as I wasn't, and that's just, yeah, like, trying that's, to wrap my head around that yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's
0: really just a, a crazy, crazy thing. So, so as we talk about that, I want to I wanna transition a little bit, because we've kind of shared our story, and, and, and we've talked through all of that. Um, so we've been married for 21 years, we're active, involved in ministry, so that means that there's never any fights, everything's always perfect now, because we have this whole thing figured out, right? Not really.
1: Um, yeah, not really. Life happens, you know, we're still people. Mm I am still selfish. He is sometimes too, although (laughs) it's probably more me. Um, but no, things have changed over 21 years. Mm -hmm. The way that we talked to each other back then, the way that we communicated back then, things have, they've had to change. Hopefully we've matured a little bit over 21 years and learned a few things. But, um, but definitely the way we've communicated to each other and spoke mm-hmm. to each other.
0: T- talk about that for a second, because one of the things that, that I'm passionate about, and I think this is, especially if you've been married, like, for any length of time, say more than 10 years, there's a point where things change. We've, it's been adding four kids into the mix. It's been switching jobs, switching careers, moving to a different part of the states. There have been a number of changes, and along with that, over half of your life, your personality changes, my personality changes, I think a lot of times what happens is we realize that our spouse is dynamic. They're changing. They're not who they were 21 years ago. Sometimes our spouse isn't who they were yesterday. And and I'm I'm not trying to say that to joke around. I'm saying that legitimately. Uh, One of the things I talk to guys about a lot is that uh, a lot of times our wife will do something one day, and we think, oh, that's so cute that she did it. And the next day she does the exact same thing, and it frustrates us, and we think it's annoying. She didn't change, we changed. And so literally, we become, we're, we're dynamic people in that we, we change all the time. But a lot of times, the way we communicate with each other remains static. We think, well, this worked 21 years ago. For 21 years ago, if you've ever studied like the, the five love languages, 21 years ago, this was what you really liked. And so 21 years later, I'm trying to do some of the same things, not realizing that you've changed.
1: Right, I mean, 21 years ago when you gave me a piece of jewelry, I was super excited um, and I loved that. Today, I'm thankful if you get up early and go put gas in my car so I don't have to pump (laughs) it. I mean, things have definitely changed. Just being real, like that's a huge thing to me and that shows me that he loves me because he's doing that for me. Mm Things have just changed, the way we the way we speak to each other, the way we communicate, um, yeah, adding kids into the mix and trying to find time to spend together so that we can have a date night, so that we can reconnect, you know, minus whatever, even if that's only half an hour watching a show that's not a cartoon or, you know, something something like that. Um, <laughs> Paul Patrol doesn't
0: do it for you all the time. No, huh? <laughs> not all
1: the time. Sometimes I just, yeah, yeah too much um, Paul Patrol.
0: I, I got to point up that earlier, asked for the guys to get my back. I'm like, how many other guys can I identify not one of you raised your hand. Like, I just want to point that out, guys. <laughs> oh, Michael, you're with me. I missed it, but... He's got your back. Exactly. But, okay, so so let's talk about this for a second because one of the things that I'm passionate about is is that if if, if we're going to do marriage right, we don't work on marriage just when things are struggling. Anybody can do that. The most valuable piece of information I want to take away from this is that if you think right now, well, my marriage isn't really, there's some things we could change, but it's not really struggling. Because if it's struggling, it's almost getting to the point where, man, it's, it's, it's getting to be too late. Let's work on marriage right now. Let, let's try it. If, if that's where we're at, or, or better yet, if you're not married yet, if you're still leaning into marriage being in your future, you say, how can I work on these tools right now to make sure that when I get there, that if the friction does come, that I'm better prepared for it. I think it is more valuable, I want us to get this, I think it's more valuable that we work on our marriage when things are well than when things are struggling. And so we want to, and, and, and we try to make time for this, we try to emphasize this, we don't always do a good job at that, but we want to make sure that, man, when, when things are going well, that we're putting some tools in our toolbox that, so, that we're, so that we are prepared for when things aren't so well. And one of the things that we just started going through together is this thing called Five Dates. Uh, five dates is this tool that Mike Foster put together. If you've been here at Ridgepoint Church for a while, we've done some of his studies in the past. But Mike and Jennifer Foster are husband and wife, and they put this together. This is the, the five dates for him. Uh, Beth is doing the five dates for her. And, it, and it, isn't, it isn't like here's five different dates to go on. That's not what it is. It's actually stuff that you work on beforehand as a couple individually. That then when you go on the date, you open up your books together and you say, hey, let's talk about the things that we've been learning about ourselves. And how we communicate. Uh, And we believe in this so much that we actually have some of these available today. Uh, Chris is going to share the information. We have a few of these for each service. Uh, Two things we believe is number one, if you're married or maybe if you're thinking about marriage in the near future, go through this book with your significant other. uh, Talk through these topics and say, man, I want to make sure that right now, if things are going well, that we continue to do that. Uh, it's, it's $30 for the, the two of them together. Uh, the second thing we believe strongly in is to have those those right couples uh, in, in our relationship to kind of lean on and talk to. And, and as much as we love the, the single dates being able, being able to go out together, sometimes we just as much love like double dating. And so if that's where you're at, if you want someone to kind of, hey... I just want to go out with a couple, maybe go through some of the stuff together. We're willing to do that. Let us know that. Like, we'd love to be able to have some of those conversations and provide. I told him
1: I didn't know if that was a prize, if people were actually going to want to go out with their pastor <laughs> and his wife. Like, he thinks that's that intimidating. is something that people that's might want to do. <laughs> It's not intimidating. We had friends who thought that when we first started hanging out with them. Like, they were so scared to hang out with JJ. Like, her brother-in-law lived him, and they had beer in the fridge. And she's like, that's not ours. That's not ours. And, you know they had movies they that were there and here comes yeah. Karen. Mom, they have adult movies. She's like, "No, we don't. No, we don't." Karen and PG-13. Really, Karen was yeah, like, was six, really young, Okay. So she thought they had our adult, definition movies. Of adult
0: movies was very different. Exactly. So, but they were like
1: so embarrassed. We're really just normal people like we go out and we eat. So if you guys really want to hang out with us, hey, yeah. we're we're welcome to do that. If that will help somebody, absolutely.
0: Um, So, but along with this five dates, one of the things got to in in section two that I want to share, and then we're getting ready to to wrap this thing up a little bit. One of the things I want to share is that what, what we've learned through the years is we communicate very differently. And it isn't just, and a little bit of this might be a little bit of stereotyping. I don't think a lot of it is. I think there's some general things that apply. But we've learned that the way that I communicate is very different from the way that Beth communicates. And oftentimes, the way men communicate is very different from the way that women communicate. And so in the second chapter, if, if you get this five dates, and, and if, if we sell out, that's fine, we're going to order more of we'll a waiting list. But in five dates, they talk about the way that we communicate with each other and how valuable that is to learn the way the other person communicates. So they said when we we're talking about women, the way women, their talk style is, is called the sofa style of communication. And what we mean by sofa style is that their goal is connection and closeness. And this is true whether we're talking about a husband, a wife talking, or whether she's just talking to her friends. That when she sits down on the sofa to have a conversation, that, that her goal is, is connection and closeness. That, that She thinks that's what conversation is about, is those two things. And so because of that, if I'm going to learn that as her husband, there's some things that, that I should do and there's some things that I shouldn't do. Uh, for instance, if if in the midst of a conversation I admit, like I often do, that I've made some mistakes, and if I come in knowing that that kind of the way she communicates the sofa style is to have connection and closeness, and I know I made a mistake, then what's going to allow us to move closer to each other is by saying, "Listen, I am so sorry I did that." Husbands, our wife isn't looking for us to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. But owning up to those mistakes is really, really valuable, and sometimes when we make a mistake and we admit it and we say we're sorry, we end up better off than had we made the right choice the first time. I'm not saying always, but sometimes he's looking for that connection and closeness and just saying, hey, I'm broken, I'm fallen, I made a mistake, and I shouldn't have done that. Moving apart would be to go in that same situation ask the question, what's the big deal? Like it wasn't, like it wasn't even like a major deal. How would that go over for you?
1: Yeah, that would not sit well with me.
0: At, at all. And the way we communicate is, and, and we might even be saying the same, the, 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 really the same thing overall, but the way we communicate is so valuable. So if I come in and I say, I made a mistake, but I'm so sorry, and I want to work at fixing it, then that's going to help out. But if I come in and say, listen, that wasn't even a big deal, it's going to add more strife and conflict in the relationship. And the mistake most men make is trying to fix her problem.
1: Sometimes we just don't want somebody to fix it. Sometimes we just want somebody to listen.
0: Women, how many of y'all can identify with that? See, I knew they'd have your back much more. I knew it was coming. Uh, listen, not that I'm condoning the movie, but there's a, a movie, an, old, an older movie called White Men Can't Jump. How many of y'all seen White Men Can't Jump? Yeah. Uh, in, in it, uh, Woody Harrelson's playing the, the basketball player, and he's there with, I forgot the, the girl's name, but, but he's there, and she's, she's in bed. She's like, I'm really thirsty. And he gets up to get her water, and, and she slaps him for getting him water. And, and he's like, what's that about? Like, you were thirsty, I got you water. And her whole thing is, I didn't look for you to fix my problem. I wanted you to empathize with me. And for a guy that's so frustrating, because listen, you were thirsty, it's really easy to provide water and fix that problem. But sometimes they're not looking for the problems to be fixed, but just to say, hey, I want you to know how I feel. They're looking for connection and closeness. Meanwhile, guys communicate Through the step stool style. Their conversation, most of their conversations, are about two things respect and winning. I said this last week that the woman is looking for love in the relationship, the guy's looking for respect. And so when it comes to our conversations, whether we're talking to our friends, we're saying, man, when I'm sitting around talking to my friends, if I can move up a step on that step stool, then I view that conversation as having been successful. If I move down, it's been a failure. And so because of that, for the wives, I think sometimes we're very critical of men. We think if there's a problem in the relationship, it's always the, the man's problem. But, but some of our most, I think, significant, not that we fight a whole lot, but some of our most significant fights come from this, where I'm trying to move up that step stool, and then I, you know, I, I feel like the friction, like, man, I, I thought I did something right. And, and, and the woman moves the man up by saying something like, thanks for driving. Like, all right, hey, I, I feel good, I feel important. Meanwhile, in the same Uh, modes of transportation she'll move him down by saying are we lost again (laughs) like for man they're looking to use that communication to move them up but a lot of times if on on the other side she uses conversation that brings him down it can lead to serious challenges within a relationship last thing i want to talk about is we've had a a number of friends that we've talked to through, through the years uh, going through some significant, significant challenges where divorce was all of a sudden back on the table. Um, some that we thought, man, like there's biblical grounds for divorce and it doesn't look good. And somehow they, they fought through and, and they made it through. And others that we thought, really the stuff they're dealing with is stuff that every couple deals with. We didn't think divorce was really something that was going to come. And, and they ended up going through divorce. So what's your advice right now to maybe to the wife who's out there, or to the couple that's out there, To how can to, to make sure that, that their marriage not just survives but succeeds?
1: Surround yourself with people who are going to lift you up. If, if you go on Facebook and you vent about your spouse, if you talk to your parents and you vent about your spouse, you're a lot quick to, quicker to forgive your, your spouse than your friends are, than your family is. There are some things that need to be done in private, and if you need to speak to somebody, absolutely. Find a godly person that you can talk to, somebody who's going to give you good counsel. Don't just go to the masses and expect everything to change. Um, when I when I think of our friends who were struggling and, and could have gone through a divorce um, and didn't, I think that's what made the biggest difference was they found people like us and other people that they could talk to and talk through their problems and they were truly willing to work for. It. I'm not just talking about marriage counseling. I'm talking about they were really seeking God and trying to, they wanted to make it work. They wanted to, to do this. Um, but I think that surrounding yourself with those people who are going to point you to Christ and not rip you down. And definitely in this age of social media, keeping things off social media, mm-hmm. I think that's huge.
0: Yeah. We have a tendency in our life to gravitate towards people who give us terrible advice when it comes to our relationships. And yet, we shy away from people who are actually praying for us and trying to give us godly counsel. And I think that's one of the greatest challenges that I see is that, uh, for me, there's a huge difference between being a friend and being a buddy. A friend is going to tell you when you're wrong and is going to pray for you. A buddy is going to go get in trouble with you and say that everything's okay. We want to surround ourselves with buddies because it makes us feel good in the moment. But it actually can be harmful to our relationships. And so because of that, we have a tendency to surround ourselves with people who give us terrible advice when it comes to relationships. But when there are people who are godly people who can give us counsel and pray for us, we shy away from them. Uh, so as much as we can, we want to surround ourselves and insulate ourselves with people who are, who are going to build us up and build up our relationships. And, and, and when we're down, they are going to be the ones who, when we're tired, they are going to be the ones who are lifting up our arms and saying, hey, I know you think you can't do it, but you can. Uh, so find those people that will love you, that will pray for you, uh, pray for your relationship. I had a conversation uh, probably about a month and a half ago two months ago with a with a guy uh, from out of this area, but a guy that I 've known for a long time and and he was he and his wife are one of the best couples that I know, and they hit a a rough spot in their marriage and, and he said, man, I realized that." That I, we weren't praying together, and there were some issues that were coming up that we'd never talked about, we never prayed about together. And he said, "Man, once we brought those issues to light and prayed those things through, he said it's the best our relationship's ever been." But we went through this really, really rough spot, and everyone's going to have that. So as you go through those rough spots, seek good counsel, pray together, take on if there's a significant issue that you're dealing with, don't sweep it under the cover and, and uh, sweep it under the rug and hope it goes away, but bring it to light and deal with it. So. Everybody again, thank my wife for joining us this morning. <clears throat> now I want to close out, and, and not, not to be weird about this, but I think sometimes when we close out a series, we don't often do this. But, but there has to be a moment where we say, I want to take this and make this really, really practical. And so you don't have to do this. In fact, I'm going to ask for the people in the back, if you guys can kind of, when we get to the point, bring the lights down a little bit and get us ready for this. But, but I'm going to ask us if we're willing to do this, because at some point, this whole series has been about uh, kind of making vows and fu- fu- fulfilling those vows, and sometimes we just need a reminder of what those vows were. And so if, if you're a single person, I've written a special vow just for you, and if you say, man, in my singleness, I want to embrace my singleness... Then i ask you when it's time for you to stand up with me. We're going to do that first. And, and then if you're a married couple, for you to stand up, if your spouse is here to stand up with them, if not, do it yourself. Stand up, take the other person by their hand, and repeat this vow with me. So if you guys can bring the lights down just a little bit, I'd appreciate it. Uh, now, again, you don't have to do this, but we said this in Ecclesiastes 5, 5. It says it's better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. And so if this is where you're at, if you say, yes, I'm willing to to take this step, to take this vow, whether single or married, I'm gonna ask you to stand up right now with me. Single or married, if you're willing to do this vow together, just kind of repeating your vows, renewing your vows, it's fine, you don't have to, don't feel the pressure to do so, but I wanna give us something to walk away from this. And so if you're single, if you would just repeat this with me, except for where I say my name, you say your name. I, J.J., take this moment to pledge to live this stage of life, whether temporary or long-term, to the best of my ability. I commit to view my singleness not as a curse, but as a calling. I will not look down on myself Nor allow others to look down on me. I will follow God in my singleness until he sees fit to send me a partner or to call me home. Now if you're married and your significant other is with you, turn to them and take their hands. And repeat with me, except for when I say my name, I'm wise name, you don't use our names. I, JJ, take you, Beth, to be my wedded wife or husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness or in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. And here, too, I again pledge my faithfulness. God, I thank you for the picture that that the Bible provides of what marriage is supposed to be about. God, I thank you for everyone who's been assembled throughout this series. I've prayed throughout this whole thing that you'd provide some resources. You'd provide some knowledge. Maybe some insight into life that we didn't experience before. And so, God, I pray that all of this isn't just something, an exercise we do because we're at church. But, God, I pray that as we leave here, we leave here as changed individuals. If we're not married, that we're saying, man, I want to do singleness the way, God, that you designed it. And that, God, if we are married, that we say, I know that we're never going to get this thing fully right. But there are things that I can do to better prepare myself to live this married life in a way that honors Christ in a way that's led by his spirit. Yeah, we know the only way we do that is with beginning with a relationship with you. And for a lot of us, it means that relationship has to begin or it has to develop. And God, if I pray, if that's where people are at, that they work on that first. We can't be healthy together if we're unhealthy individually. If there's someone who doesn't know Jesus and needs to know him, that today would be the day that they embrace his free gift. And if it's like I was at a young age, not leading because I didn't know the tools I needed to have, God, that you would help us to grow as individuals and to do things right. God, bless marriages, strengthen marriages. For those that are maybe a step or two away from or decision to away from heading towards divorce, God, I pray that you guide them away from that, that you put healthy people in their life to build them up, to strengthen them, and to pray for them, that we gravitate towards that which is spiritual instead of away from it that we stay away from the people who would give us bad advice. God, let what, let what we do in here, the stuff that we learn, the knowledge that we attain, be applied as we leave here this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.